Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our Power Chat starts now. Welcome to the 56th episode of Five Questions with Dan Shaw Bell. As your host, my goal is to create the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is the host of the Hardcore History podcast, Dan Carlin. Born in California, Dan is the son of actress Lynn Carlin and film producer Ed Carlin. He obtained his degree in history at the University of Colorado Boulder before breaking into TV news in the 1980s as a reporter for KVAL-TV in Eugene, Oregon. From there, he hosted Common Sense, a podcast where he evaluated current political trends from 1994 to 2014. In 2015, he launched Hardcore History, a podcast that explores topics throughout world history such as the Cold War, the Asia-Pacific War, a series on Genghis Khan, the fall of the Roman Republic, and a series on World War II. I spoke with Dan about his new book, The End is Always Near, his personal history, how he's built his following, and his best career advice. How did you become an effective storyteller, and how can others do the same? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I'm so good with advice on this one, only because I, I feel like I came out sort of at birth talking a lot. Um, and, and maybe something like that's genetic. We have a little Irish storyteller gene that runs through individuals in the family. and Maybe I, I lucked out with a version of it. But, but I think that the ability to tell a compelling uh, narrative is something that a lot of people are just born with. It doesn't mean you can't become a better speaker. They always had those Dale Carnegie you know, courses on how to become a more effective speaker. And so obviously lots of people get better all the time and it doesn't matter how, how much natural talent you have. I mean, that's why there's still speech and debate courses and all those things to make you better. But in my case, I, I feel like I just kind of lucked out. I ended up with, I had very verbal parents, uh, came from a very verbal household. And I think it reinforced something that was already genetically, I mean, a genetic loud mouth to begin with, I guess is what I'm saying. What do you think makes an effective storyteller? What, what are the qualities and attributes? There are a couple of ways you could go about it, depending on, on, on your nature, right? So if you're a person who was born as a, as a natural storyteller, well, then I think you stay with your strengths, right? Because sometimes those people have very unique ways of, uh, of telling a compelling tale that you wouldn't want to standardize, right? You wouldn't want that person to go take the Dale Carnegie course and learn how to do it by rote. They've got a natural talent with their own style. If you don't have something like that, well, then I think there's lots of things out there that can literally teach you how to break down a story, right? So these are the main characters. This is the dramatic tension you want to establish. In other words, there's a form to this. If you don't need the form, I think it keeps you freer and looser and more unique. But if you don't have the form to begin with, it can teach you sort of, let's call it the elements of storytelling. And I think you go and learn uh, and and if, if for no other reason, even if you're just a logical, mathematical, do things by rote kind of person, there are ways to check all the boxes and make sure your story or your narrative is compelling and, and, and explains all the things you want to say. What was one milestone in your life that you were most proud of and why? Uh, well, I mean, it's probably not the answer you're looking for, but I mean, I think having kids uh, personally, uh, because it's one of those things where if you want to talk about 
sort of a before and after, uh, you know, you're, I think at least in my case, in a lot of parents case, you're one person before you have kids and another person afterwards. And it impacts your career if for no other reason than you realize it's not just a pass fail course that has you as the person at the center, but you have people reliant on you. So I think it, everything takes on a different form of seriousness. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because in past generations, parents were often so much younger than they are now. And I was in my early thirties when I had kids and I thought to myself, God, you know, the level of responsibility just skyrockets when you have to have, when you think about other people needing you. And so for me, I think, God, if I'd had that same level of responsibility skyrocket at 21 or 22, either one of two things would have happened. Either I would have been a disastrous fa failure as a parent and way too young, or you kind of look and go, God, what if I had had that sort of growth in responsibility and let's just call it um, emotional load carrying capacity when I was 21 or 22 instead of 31 or 32. So for me, the milestone is, and I think I was a different person before and afterwards, is having children. Take us behind the scenes with your hit podcast show, Hardcore History. What does it take to produce a quality show like yours and then build a loyal following around it? A lot more than it used to is going to be the short answer. Once upon a time, those shows were like 20 minutes long. Now they're many, many hours. Um, it takes a lot. And, and I like that it takes a lot. I've, I've told people before that uh, it's a nice feeling to be able to say you sort of in, in the sports metaphor, you would say that you left it all out on the field. And I think you've got to be able to I mean, you really have to use every brain cell if you want to be able to walk away and feel like you you gave everything you had to the project. And so by the end of these things, I feel exactly like that. Like you left it all out on the field, like there's pizza boxes and Starbucks cupped all over the place, like a bomb went off in the studio and uh, and you can hardly talk anymore. And so that's, so by the end of these things, you feel very wrung out and like college final exams are over with. But there's a satisfaction level that that sort of investment and effort brings on the other side, especially that's well received. So uh, it takes a ton of effort, a ton of reading. And, and truthfully, it's a little like performance art. So it also takes a, a ton of good sessions in the studio to make work. Can you give an example from your career on how a tough moment made you stronger and more resilient? It's almost a cliche. Um, you know, Winston Churchill had that great line about, you know, never give in, never give up, never, you know, it, it's really one of those things where people say failure makes you stronger. It's a whole bunch of cliches. But I tell you what, I, I, um, when the whole internet boom was first happening in the late 1990s, and I knew a lot of uh, tech people, and it seemed silly not to try to jump in and take advantage of everything that was going on. So I started a tech company with seven or eight friends of mine, and uh, it was all based on something like amateur content. You know, years before there was podcasting, we were involved in amateur content. Well, the company didn't work and it didn't do what we wanted it to do. But there were a lot of interesting little nuggets that I learned along the way that have come in handy ever since. And so it, it is a, a bit of a cliche to say that you learn from your mistakes. But it may be a better way to put it is if you don't learn from your mistakes, maybe they weren't big enough mistakes because... Um, so I remember there just being this huge learning curve when I jumped from radio broadcasting into a business environment. And I feel like even if the business itself didn't pan out, all that stuff I learned, I, th I feel like I use all the time now, even in analyzing other things. So the old line about failure being helpful, I mean, obviously failure can be failure in the long run, but, but a lot of times it's sort of what you make of it. And I, I probably would not be here today talking to you about podcasts today if I hadn't been involved in amateur content in the late 1990s in this failed company. And what is your best piece of career advice? 
Oh, it's funny. I look back at it, it. When you get to be my age, I'm 53 now, you start to have a lot of people that you know who've run into that proverbial time when they're, 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 their dreams are broken and they're full of regrets and they wish they'd turned left instead of right to Albuquerque, all those kind of things. And, and when you look back on their lives and try to analyze it as an outsider, which is impossible to do, but, but when you look at them, you can see several places a lot of times where you go, God, you know, that person stayed too long at this job or that person needed to be looking for, for the next stop more. People get comfortable, I guess is a good way to put it in their jobs because there's a lot of other things in people's lives that needs addressing. And if the job's going okay, the tendency is to say, well, I'll stand pat here for a while, or maybe they'll just promote me or something like that. And so often I find that getting comfortable in that situation ends up being something that really slows people's careers down. And it, it, it's advice that no one wants to hear because life is tough enough and to have to constantly be Johnny on the spot about looking for the next jump forward. But it is one of those things that later in life, when you're my age, you look back on it, and there's a lot of people regretting that they didn't do more of that when they had the time. It's easier said than done, but it's something that I've noticed quite a bit that maybe you know we stay too long sometimes at comfortable jobs. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Dan. To follow his journey, you can read his book, The End is Always Near, listen to Hardcore History, and find him on Twitter and Facebook where he shares new episodes of his podcast, life updates, media interviews, and interactions with fans. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guests provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in the form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com slash review now. 